I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm Ben Easter. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Grace Clark. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, just really energizing client. Uh, you're up to some really cool things in the world. I love the way that you think about things. So I'm excited to share a little bit of that with the world. So welcome, Grace. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Right on. So why don't we uh, start by just giving us a little bit of an idea of what you're up to in the world. Tell us about, a little bit about your business. Uh, tell us, you know, what you know, what you're doing out there and um, give us some context. Happy to. So I just looked and we are about three years to the day that I started my consultancy. Happy right birthday. On. Congratulations. And Happy birthday. Thank you. And we are about... I mean, we're coming up on our own anniversary, so this feels very monumentous and meaningful to be having this conversation. Um, all right, so I run a digital marketing consultancy, and I'm based in New York, and I specialize in building omni-channel marketing programs for a wide variety of companies, from Graza Olive Oil and Jones Road Beauty on the earlier side of things, all the way toward Google on the enterprise uh, stage of life. So every strategy is, of course, tailored to the company's objectives and the world that they're playing in. But all are underpinned by a few strategies that you've really helped me to define and articulate. And the first is that identity triggers behavior. Every action we take in our own lives or as a consumer is really a vote for the type of person we see ourselves as or want to be. So yeah. consumer identity is really at the heart of all of my work. The second is that all marketing is connected. There is nothing too small for me to want to get my hands in as a marketer. And that might be working really closely with the customer service response team for one of my clients to something as small as like pixel or mobile design. It's all connected. And especially as our marketing continues to be fragmented across channels. And I think brands become less and less in control of their own story and who is explaining the value of their products. It's really important to me to make sure that my clients take away the fact that everything is marketing for them. So Love I might it. be working on a launch strategy, but really what people hire me to do is to teach them how to think about marketing differently. That's yeah. really the philosophy because Part of my business baked into that is to make myself obsolete. I don't want to work with a client longer than they need me. I want to be there in order to create the maximum value. And I like to think about my work almost as you are investing in a money minting machine. So by working together, I am teaching the team how to build value for their company and for themselves as marketing thinkers long after I'm gone. So 
we'll be working on something tangible, a deliverable, a certain timeline, but what they're doing is going to compound over time. If I really invest in my partnerships, the way that I like to show up, which is to work on a handful of projects at once and make sure that I'm really able to show up and give my all, which is why working with you has been so helpful in me defining People might talk about it as boundaries, but I talk about it as guidelines for what I know make, sets me up to deliver the most value for my clients, but also myself, because work is a, a large and important but fraction of my identity. So I really think of our work as almost life design. Right on. Yeah, actually, that's a great kind of segue moment. So why don't we take us back to a couple of years ago and like... What would, what would you say, where were you? Like, what would, because, you know, the point of this is shift to freedom. So we're, we're helping people to understand like what might be possible for themselves and their own freedom in the world. And so what I'd love is if you could kind of, if you can get, kind of get in the time machine and kind of mm -hmm. think back to like, what, what was going on in your reality when we first started talking at what, what kinds of like maybe blocks did you have your freedom or however you want to think about it? Uh, in your business or in your life, you know, because our, our relationship has spanned more than just the, the the business side of things. And I think mm -hmm. that we're human, full human beings. So yeah. there's a lot going on there. But so take us back. What, what What's kind of the situation that you've experienced in your reality? Well, when we started working together, I was about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer into my journey as an entrepreneur. And I was a patchwork quilt of all sorts of beliefs that I'd both learned from previous work experiences, but that I was bringing into our work from way back when, long before I had a job. And I had decided without being, without being, I want to rephrase that. I had, without realizing, decided that I was going to operate based off this set of beliefs that were really limitations. And I had conflated them with best practices or standards. So I came to you with a bunch of shoulds. And I was thinking about what was telling me that it was the right time to explore coaching. And I knew the benefits of therapy because I've had a therapy practice for a long time. But I realized as an entrepreneur, I had no one to look to for mentorship that was going to be unbiased and completely tailored to what was going on in my business. My friends were working in different ways. So I wasn't able to look around at my peers and have a good workspace for talking about problems or feeling understood. And I couldn't really look to my clients the same way that I was able to look toward a boss at any of my previous full-time jobs because they were hiring me, like I said, to be a teacher and to be a guide and to be sometimes the adult in the room if we needed a more, uh, a bit more of like a leveling presence. So I knew that I felt stuck and hadn't been able to articulate why. So I showed up to our first session and imagine opening a suitcase of a ton of limiting beliefs and telling you, these are the things I need to continue working with. And what we really did was truly unpack them and spend less time looking at where they came from. And much more of our work is about replacing them with something that's going to create the reality that I want. And not just the ways I can point to certain clients I've now worked with that felt like they were a pipe dream, but the way I physically feel showing up in my work, creating almost a whole system. So that was, my gosh, a year and a half ago, now perhaps a little bit longer. And I really didn't even call myself an entrepreneur. 
I did not oh, understand yeah. that I was building a business. So what I'd love to hear is like, do you remember any of the specifics? Do you remember any, and would you be willing to share if you do, uh, any of the specifics of like the kinds of limiting beliefs that were, so to speak, in the suitcase? I could talk about this for so long because what I really like is being able to share what the belief was and how we've transformed it. Because it's one thing to talk about what a problem was, but so much more effective to help people understand where something led. The same way in my work, I never like to bring up a problem or an idea to a client without saying, and here's what this means for us, or here's what we're going to do with this. That is an underpinning of the way I think about everything. So it's become really helpful to understand that's what we can do in our coaching practice together. I think there are three themes of beliefs. And the first is that First of all, they all have limiting language. So what I want to do as I explain this is point out words that I was using or phrases that we identified and started to shift and almost replace. Love it. Okay. The first theme was that I have to work the way other people work. I have to build my strategies, build my formats, build my processes the way that other people do it or based on what a client is asking me for. Mm. And we shifted that toward not only do I get to offer what I want to offer, but I can shift the language in there. So that's actually a positive for everybody. So instead of, I have to, I have to format this strategy in this way, or I I have to work and audit this particular channel when I don't really want to, it became, here's what I do. And here's why it's valuable, or here's the way that I think about this. And I'm happy to talk about why something may or may not be included, but we shifted all sorts of things from the way that my work looks and the way that I run my calls all the way to the way I set up my schedule. I do not have to work 10 hours a day became I choose to work six hours and I choose to take meetings on this day and that day. And here's why. So replacing that language and thinking really specifically about the way we want to do something is really helpful for people, especially if they are just starting an entrepreneurial journey. And of course, the thing to work on, work off of is what we know in the past. We don't need to adopt things that we've worked on to create a certain reality. We can completely define how we want our work to look and what we want our work product to be. I love that. And and just to kind of double click on this and expand upon it, I think um, I love what you said about this. Here's what I do and here's how, why it's valuable to you. So you're because what we did was, you know, what I think was happening at that time was like you're saying like, well, the, the way to provide value in the world is to do things the way that I have been doing them or the way that other people are doing them or the way that, you know, the, the clients think that they want me to do them for right. them or whatever. And what what that what I'm hearing you say is that you you really like you started to sell the value of what you like to do and what you enjoy doing. And then you got really clear on the value of that and you communicated that value to clients. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. Before I was able to do that, we spent a lot of time selling myself on that idea. There were, there was a lot of unlearning around us talking about how true it is that there isn't one way to work and that I'm going to be crystal clear about my language here. There are a range of options. And if we just create enough space to pause and consider that that's true and that we can define what excellence looks like for us, 
then we are free to actually begin to think about that. But it requires actually having space to say, that might have been how things went at my old job, or this might be something a client before has really liked, but we have room to actually make that decision for ourselves about any aspect of our life. And I think it's especially important for entrepreneurs in my work. I think my relationships and my reputation are some of the most prized possessions of my life. I consider them the best investments that I can make. And I'm really particular and careful about how I help people understand how I work, that I build consistency and that I show up to make it possible that that's something they can believe in. So that's really part of what our work was in terms of unlearning what has been in the past and creating systems, creating behaviors, creating habits that not only am I confident saying I can stick to this, but things that actually produce the world in, a, in, in the way that I want. And you and I spent time talking about everything related to work, but each week there's something new for us to unlock as simple as what does it mean to have a consistent bedtime and what type of day does that set me up to have on the other side? It's been a really true 360 view of what entrepreneurial life can be. Yeah, I'm actually going to put a pin in that because I do want to talk uh, more about like structures in in terms mm -hmm. of time. Uh, I would like to get to that at some point if you're if that's not one of the three buckets that we're already going to talk about. But you said that there were three. What are the so what are the other two in the suitcase? Okay, so a, a sort of inheriting the way that we have worked in the past was one. The t the second is really understanding the power of language and how subconscious and subliminally we reinforce our own beliefs. So I'll mm -hmm. talk a bit about that. I started a list as you and I were working together every time you would flag language that reinforced a limitation. And those are words like should, have to, everyone else does, never, always. We think about them as extremes. That's the simplest way for us mm -hmm. to think about them. And then on the other side of that piece of paper that I kept was the wording that I wanted to shift toward because it helped me feel more positive, more open-ended from... A neurological level, a lot of the language on the left side, the things I wanted to leave behind, can actually also start to introduce stress into our nervous system. And a lot of my anxiety starts here. And if I can reduce that, I'm going to be set up for an experience that I enjoy much more, uh, whether it's work or personal. So language shifting has been really important because that is the way that we speak to ourselves all day, every day in our own heads. So there are certain shifts I've made from instead of I have to, to I'm doing this because it will produce the result. And that might sound a little cumbersome, but our brains move pretty quickly. So we're going to make that, make that connection pretty silently and move on to it. So I have to make all my client calls 60 minutes is my client calls can be 30 minutes if we get everything done that we need to do. Or I have to make sure that I'm networking with everybody that's not true for me. What became more true was I get to choose what events I go to because I'm right now interested in going for quality over quantity. But it's really inserting that moment and letting go of the fact that those extremes aren't necessarily going to allow us to see the world in the way that we want. The other thing and that's really important to remember underneath that for me is that language does shape our reality. And if we reinforce certain things that create a positive mindset or a sense of possibility, our brains want to hang onto it. And if we say something to ourselves, like I always mess up kickoff calls, 
our brain is going to go find proof that that's true because it's doing its job. That's what it wants to do. It wants to echo back to us proof because that creates a sense of comfortability and certainty and calms our nervous system. But if I tell myself, I really nailed that call or I am getting better and better at these, my brain will go find proof of that. I can't stop it. If you imagine the way that we look at billboards and can't help but read them, our brain is the same way. And that plasticity is the most powerful thing about our coaching, really, truly. And it's something that is free and easy to do. Easy doesn't mean it comes quickly, but it means that it is a proven system and it feels like magic, but it's not. Yeah. It's just, it's just our brains. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the impacts of the language stuff is so, so profound and it sounds so silly and people almost like in the, in a lot of times in the beginning of my work with people where I'm pointing these things out, they think I'm being like nitpicky or, you know, like, oh yeah, they'll like eye roll about it. And it's like, well, no, I'm like, I'm really trying to point out how this language piece is illustrative of a belief that you're having in your reality and that it's not just about the word that you're using, but it's about what that word is meaning to you and how you're creating your reality of that word. So I love that you brought that up because I think it's just so important and so impactful to, uh, and if you, by the way, if you're listening to this and you want some ideas about uh, ways that you can use language in support of this, go back. One of the podcast episodes was all about powerful and empowering language. Uh, It was a two-parter where we talked about a lot of the different structures that exist. So thanks for sharing that. What's the third bucket? What do you you got? The third comes right from that. And it's that things that I considered or classified as limitations or frustrations about myself are actually some of my strongest qualities and the most valuable for clients. I thought I was bringing frustration into relationships because I'm so creative and deeply, deeply thorough. And I thought that was frustrating. I found clients getting a little, Grace really wants to spend a lot of time here. So I was echoing that back to you. And I remember a session last summer, something you said to me was, that's an amazing quality and skill. What we can do is help help us understand how to put that in the context of value. And also connecting back to everything we just said, I don't have to work the way other people work. And if I keep talking about this and introducing the idea of how thorough and broadly interested I am in as a liability, people are going to think of it as a liability. But what I chose to do was stop introducing those qualities as a downside and instead framing them as value to clients. So since I've started celebrating that and making that a bigger part of my work, I really have been able to influence larger parts of marketing organizations. I've delivered certainly value for my own business. We're profitable every single quarter. We either hit a revenue goal or a client goal, but my clients' businesses have been improving. And the ways that we're measuring them are able are much broader and we're able to actually improve value for them quarter over quarter. But that all started with no longer punishing myself for what felt like side interests and instead integrating them a bit more into my work. I love this. I think this is like, this is like one of the sort of master key unlocks is to, is to get that. Cause I think that a lot of people, what they're doing is they're like, this goes back to that, almost that first one is like, you're believing that value exists some way in the world. Mm-hmm. And then we don't realize that there's actually there are so many different ways to provide value in the world. And so we're, we're like trying to fit ourselves into a certain mold of how we 
expect that other people expect value to happen. Mm -hmm. And so we're not like giving ourselves permission to like use that part of ourselves. That's like you, like you, that, that part of you that just like, you're the kind of person who loves to go to a coffee shop and study marketing. And it's like, yeah. that's not, that is not me. So it's really useful to have somebody like that in the world. Right. Who like wants to get all detail oriented about the marketing and like, just like really understand things and how their inner workings, you know, go. And then to have that on your team is so valuable in the world that it's like, if we don't give ourselves permission to go and take those things, those parts of yourselves that are your, like your genius making parts, you know, then we're like cutting ourselves off from a lot of the value that you actually have to offer in the world, which is really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it shows up in, in personal relationships too, definitely professionally. And one thing that you and I've talked a lot about is how important it was for me to introduce these things comfortably to clients, by which I mean, I told you how much I never wanted to hard sell someone. I never wanted to frame my work on a sales call. At, I never wanted to force someone to see my value. So you and I spent a lot of time talking about phrases that felt comfortable for me to use. My job on on initial calls with clients, potential clients, or even just meeting someone is to do more solution placement rather than selling. And if someone doesn't feel like it'd be valuable to hire me or invest in what I'm able to deliver, that doesn't mean it's a failure of my business. It is truly a fit in a values alignment situation. And back to all the, the sort of three things I was talking about have been transformational in our work taking that moment, if I don't land a certain client or I decide it's not a fit for me, not extrapolating that to mean anything more than just that situation, we didn't move forward. That's really powerful too. I don't need to work with every single client. And frankly, I am a one person business right now because that's how I want to work. So I couldn't work with everybody, even if I wanted to. So right now my business is really about refining what it is that I'm confident I can deliver and understanding the types of people that if I look back at patterns make for really healthy client relationships because it is a partnership. I talk about my clients as partners. Uh, I don't say that they hire me because we're investing in each other and I'm investing in them too. So I don't really set up my business to feel transactional because it isn't. It's an equal, it's, it's all about creating value for each other in the way that we can both guarantee and contribute. It's, I it's love that. Yeah, much more about building up building up both sides of the business because like win-win relationships. Completely. And yeah. that means that running a consultancy really is a business and I encourage anyone I talk to who's starting this to see themselves as a business. Um some people like to call themselves a freelancer. What works for me is to tell people that I'm a consultant because I am a consultant and I am running a proper consultancy. So a lot of our work has been strategic and then there are tactics underneath that support it. But I think one of the ways that I talk about our work that helps people understand this aha moment is investing in our work was when I made the decision that my business was going to grow up and oh, I was going to become yeah. more polished and show it to the world in a different way. But it really meant that I was going to make decisions in my work and in my work day and in my personal life that supported the type of entrepreneur that I wanted to be. Do you remember one of our early sessions? I made a mood board of words that I loved, words that felt true for me and 
mantras that felt true. And I put up pictures of strong females I'd learned from, whether it was personally or indirectly. And that really was what I hung on to for those first three months because I needed to believe that I could get there. And there was a lot of resistance coming from me and mm-hmm. <laughs> all the way down to you and I talking about what it took uh, on a, like a minute over minute, sometimes hour over hour basis to reinforce positive beliefs. So these things became true or started to believe or I started to believe them. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's like a really practical piece of it. Right? It's not just about like learning new things or thinking about things differently, but it really is like a repetitive kind of, you know, we're building neurons. So I think it's like, it's really useful. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you highlighted that because it's really useful for people to understand that development work happens over time, just like going to the gym. You know, you don't just like understand how an exercise works and then you're stronger. It's like you, then you go and do the exercise and you're still not stronger yet, mm-hmm. but you do the exercise multiple times and then you get stronger over time. And that's just the way that it works. So I love that. Grace, I would I think we would be doing a disservice to the audience if we don't talk a little bit about structuring the day and and how do we like use time in our favor and do, would you be willing to share a little bit about how we think about time and structuring days and like resources that we've come up with around that that sort of thing? It's such an important part of supporting work. I like to think of it as the apparatus or the or the skeleton of our work or almost like lanes, bumper lanes, bowling. It has created space and I find it to be very freeing to have routine. One of the, one of the reasons for that is that I see a connection between habits that might have nothing to do with work on the surface showing up in the way that I work. And because of that, you and I have talked a lot about what it is to carry yourself as the person that you want to be throughout your day. And it really started with an exercise that you and I did at the very beginning of our work together. And you encouraged me to ask myself questions like, think about the the version of yourself that you love, that you're so excited to be, to be in the process of becoming every single day. What does she do when she's on the subway? What does she do when she's balancing working in two time zones? You know, I had just started to spend time between New York and Paris and I felt really guilty about being in different time zones. And you said, how would this person talk to herself if she was feeling stressed? What does this person do on a day off? How does this person set up her her schedule? How does this person dress? And by defining that identity for myself, the rest of the more tactical decisions I had to make became much more intuitive and easier. So starting with that picture of who I was, was step one. And tactically, I found Pinterest to be a great resource for that. I've used it in brand research for years. But having that visual really helped me understand what other systems I wanted to put in place. And you and I actually talked about them as experiments. So you said, why are you feeling stressed in the morning? What's going on? And unpacking that map back to what it was like to go to bed and how rushed that was. So we created a system where... I decided a consistent bedtime was going to be something that influenced the morning. We put that in place. We also talked about structure throughout the day and how important it was for me to create breaks in my day to reinforce some of those beliefs that felt like they were going to be unlocks for me. You know, not relying on doing the work once a week together, but instead integrating it into every single day. So I set up three alarms in my phone 
So three times a day, whether or not I wanted to, I was getting reminded to both breathe and to reinforce something positive about myself. Anything that becomes passive is really helpful for me. Um, expending energy thinking about something or context switching feels very expensive. So I started to look for other ways to reinforce this identity that felt so important and also reward myself for choices that I was making that were creating the world that I was excited to live in and keep building. Another thing we did was introduce this idea of sort of nightly acknowledgements for myself. And for the most part, every single night with very few exceptions, I keep a list of things I'm really proud to be doing and proud to have decisions that I'm proud to have made. But I also acknowledge list. Yeah, totally. And it's just, it's an iPhone note again, because that's the least friction for me. That's going to be the simplest. So I reach for my phone and the first thing I do is ask myself a question um, because I want my brain to start generating these really positive thoughts. So sometimes it's, why do clients trust me so much? And yeah. even if I've had a day or especially if I've had a day where I feel like, oh, it was just one of those days where you really had to push a boulder uphill and advocate for an idea. Or I'll say, why do I feel so confident today? It's especially helpful to put yourself into a mindset. The next thing I do is just list out a few things that I'm really proud of. And if they feel like they are decisions that I want to become stronger at making or their qualities that I really want to embody, it's especially important to note it because it's very easy to hang on to things we wish we had done differently. And then the good stuff just kind of gets overwhelmed, but the good stuff is what we want to reinforce. It's like and we're shining our flashlight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that became really, really helpful for me. And then just a handful of other habits, habit stacking just unfurled from there. But those daily anchors, those passive daily anchors have been really helpful in supporting our work and not letting our work just be the moment that we're actually talking live each week. But instead it became the system that just gets reinforced over the course of the day. I love it. And you're actually, uh, you're really solid at like reaching out in between sessions and like working through things and sharing wins. And I think that's really useful. That actually uh, makes me think about another question. Um, what do you think it takes to get the most out of something like a coaching relationship? Or even if you're just doing your, your personal development work on your own or something like that, what do you think, what are a, a couple, maybe one or two of the things that you think like really help to get the most out of that process? I kind of can't believe this, but when you and I first started working together, you invited me to think of a symbol or a name or something that could bring some theme to our work. And this was just meant to be something that could like get us going, something to sell me on the belief that I could create change in my life. And I kept thinking about a certain type of car. I kept thinking about a Volvo because it was so reliable and known for consistency and in some ways subtlety. And that's what I wanted to embody. I wanted to be no drama confident, stable, secure, happy to be out of the limelight. And today that is still so true. And I think that answers the question of how to get the most out of a coaching relationship that you're choosing to invest in. The first thing is remember to be consistent, being consistent and committing to not just showing up and being present in a session, but reinforcing what you're practicing in between is the most value you can create for yourself. Identifying the things that you want to reinforce and showing up, that's definitely step one. The second is continuing to remember that you are investing in this. It's not 
that you're paying for stuff. It's that you are making a decision with your time and your money that you are going to put some of that in and it's going to come back. So that's an investment. (laughs) And I really like to encourage people to think about it that way, because of course it's a number in your bank account that's moving around. But if we want to talk about value, the way my business has grown from a revenue perspective has so far outweighed the financial figures related to what I invested in coaching investing, investing, investing. It's a really important language shift. And then the the third thing is just continuing to be honest and be upfront. If there's something that I feel like I'm continuing to trip over and I'm embarrassed, if I don't tell you, we're never going to have a chance to unpack it or at the very best case we might come across it naturally. But building that muscle of honesty and integrity is a real benefit of coaching that you give me the space to do that. Oh man, I love that you brought up that last point because I think that is something that's it's really common is that we'll we'll almost like tell some story like, oh, I should be somewhere other than I am, you know, like uh, this idea, like, oh, I should know better than that or something right. like that. You know what I mean? And then that actually winds up getting in the way because if we actually take a legitimate look at what's going on, we can figure out why are we telling that story or what's actually happening for us there, you know? So I'm so glad that you brought that up because yesterday I had quote unquote woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever. Like I was grumpy in the morning and I, you know, and there's a world in which I could have like been trying to like hide that or be ashamed that I was feeling that. Or there's a world in which I'm like, I go and I like tell Paige and I'm like, you know, this is, this is happening for me. And she's like, and she just asks a simple question. She's like, so is that how you're wanting to be experiencing the world today? And I was like, Right. <laughs> right on. You know what I mean? And so right. it's, I just think there's, there's something so valuable about, uh, about that, bringing that authenticity and that honest picture of what's going on. Uh, Grace, this is awesome. I, um, we're going to wrap here, but I want to, I want to give people an opportunity. So how, if they want to get a hold of it, they want to learn marketing and they want to understand how to, uh, sort of build an army of raving fans and really like connect with a, an audience. How can they get a hold of you? What would be the best way to, to get in your sphere? Well, the best resource I can point people to if they want to understand a bit more about how I think is to read Twitter and navigate to my Twitter. So it's twitter.com slash Grace Clark and Clark is C-L-A-R-K-E. I post a lot about what I'm learning there and I share everything from really helpful templates that I use in my client engagements to annual visioning templates that come from a lot of our work. But really cool stuff. Email is always great. And it's grace at grace-clark, C-L-A-R-K-E.com. Right on. Well, Grace, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I think this is really valuable stuff for people out there listening who are wanting to make their own shifts to freedom in the world. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. This was great. Thanks for having me. Right on. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.